Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. How are you doing? Good? All right, very good. That's a little loud. Um, so I know the Colts play at 1 o'clock, and uh, you're playing the Titans, which beat my Patriots last week, so... I'll be, I'll be rooting. <laughs> yeah, I'll be rooting for the Colts uh, this week. Um, no, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 is where our text will be. Uh, I do feel like I need to address something that um, a couple of connection group leaders came and talked to me and something that's happening within our connection groups. By the way, we started uh, 10 new connection groups. That's something to celebrate. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, um, I had a couple of reports that some of the connection groups are, are celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving. And so I feel like that's something that we need to really address. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for every season. And this is not Christmas season, all right? This is Thanksgiving season. Don't take my favorite holiday and absolutely ruin it with Christmas trees, okay? Uh, and so, I'm sorry, that was a little harsh. But, um, um, but I am serious. Uh, it is, uh, this is the Thanksgiving season, my favorite holiday in the world. And so we're going to do a one-off uh, sermon. We start our new uh, sermon series, He Is, Christmas sermon series next week. So uh, don't forget that. Uh, make sure you're a part of that. But today we're going to talk about a subject called pause. Uh, and uh, it's a sermon on thankfulness. And so I brought my uh, direct TV remote control um, with me this morning. How many of you, you have direct TV? I know, I'm sorry. It's horrible, isn't it? Um, I feel like every two or three months I'm on the phone with direct TV and saying, why is my bill that high again? And then they remind me and I go, oh, oh, that's right. Uh, because I wanted to watch the Florida Gators. And so I added the SEC network. Um, I forgot about that. But uh, I brought my, brought my remote control and it's got a pause button right there on, on the, uh, right there in the center. It's actually the play button and the pause button at once. I have a daughter, her name is Jocelyn. She's nine years old and um, I'll be holding the remote control because that's what fathers do. They hold the remote control. Um, it's really hard to get the remote control this time of year now that Hallmark is in full swing. But yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, but uh, uh, I have the remote control and oftentimes she'll come over and sit beside me and say, hey daddy, and I'll say, hey, yeah, but I'm still looking at the, at the, at the screen. And uh, how many of you, you, um, you remember the days, oh man, it's just going to date some of you. Uh, how many of you remember the days that you had to actually get up out of your seat, go over to the television set and turn the channel manually on the television set? How many? Okay. Yeah. We, I actually had to do that as a kid. <clears throat> I was the remote control for my dad. And, uh, um, and it wasn't because I didn't, we didn't live in the time where we had remote controls. We were just cheap. And so we had like an old, old TV with the, with the, what are they called? The rabbit ears or whatever. And, uh, I remember we finally got cable. This is way off track. Well, I remember one year we finally got cable. He was like, we're going to watch every Red Sox game. We're going to get the Northeast sports network and Nesson. I was so excited. We have it. We had it for like one month. And, um, and then he felt like it was too much money. So we got rid of it. And, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I grew up without cable. Um, but uh, now I have it. In fact, that's the, that the first thing I did when I got married. I got cable. I'm like, take that, Dad. Um, <laughs> I couldn't afford it, but I, uh, I got it anyway. 
We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to talk about uh, the subject of pausing. Man, during this time of year, I feel like, of course, I mean, the cliche thing to say here, I mean, Pastor Mark and I both agree on Hallmark just being an absolute devastation to our country, the Hallmark Channel. But I mean, any type of movie you watch this year, it's all about like, hey, it's time to slow down and really enjoy. What is the season all about? Is it really about gifts or is it really about spending time with family and just, and we could say kind of, yeah, that's kind of the case, but that never really ever happens, does it? It just seems like the, the, the more that we're supposed to slow down, the more things speed up. I feel like this time of year, the, 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 the expectations that are put on us every single year actually increase every single, I know it's horrible. <laughs> every single year, they just seem to increase and increase and increase. Did you know that during Thanksgiving to Christmas, in that about 40-day span, more money will be spent in those 40 days than there will be for the entire year consumer-wise? Things don't slow down this time of year. They ramp up. I feel like every time I talk to one of my pastor friends on the phone, he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm just busy. And then I realize every time I say that, I'm like, well, it's busy. You know, things will probably slow down here in about a couple weeks. And it feels like they never, ever, ever really slow down. I feel like just as, you, just, just as you're about to catch your breath, something else gets put on your plate. Just as soon as you meet an expectation, there's another expectation to be met. And it's a brand new expectation that you never, ever saw coming. Moms, just as soon as you finally get that day where the house is finally in order and you can finally just take a breath and go, "Ah," your kid gets sick and throws up everywhere. Feels like everything that you do to try to meet an expectation or finally get to that moment of peace the busyness just ramps back up again, or maybe it's something that happens within your family that you never saw coming. And it never seems like we ever have a chance to catch up and stop and pause and give thanks. The New York Times published an article about American families. It was based on a recent research study. The article was titled, Stressed, Tired, Rushed, A Portrait of the American Family. Now, how many of you have ever seen those uh, uh, family pictures that are kind of goof pictures, right? Where everyone's trying to take a, a family picture and then there's something that happens. I just saw the, the Johnson family. Where are you guys at? Right over here. Yeah, Johnson family. Uh, what's your boy's name? Sorry. Samuel. Sorry. I saw Samuel and Samuel didn't care that, that, that he was supposed to be still and, and hold like form and pose for uh, the pictures that were, be take, were being taken for social media. He doesn't care, Right. I mean, sorry, Sam, Sam is not in here. Is he? Okay, so he's not offended. <laughs> a portrait of the American family. I think if we were to all have a portrait, a real portrait of our family, we'd all be stressed, tired, and rushed. In a way, the title kind of says it all. And here's some of the highlights from the article. Uh, here's a quote. Uh, Parents say they feel stressed, tired, and rushed, and short on quality time with their children, friends, partners, or hobbies. A woman quoted in the Times article said this, you basically feel like you're doing a horrible job at everything all the time. How many of you ever feel that way before? Like, you know what? I want (laughs) to, man, I wasn't expecting hands to go up. (laughs) I was expecting that to be one of those where people are like, I'm not putting my hand up. But yeah, and people are like, that's me. Yeah. Feel like when you're doing a lot of things, 
then you can't, just do, you can't do anything well. You just feel like you're failing at absolutely everything. This time of year is everything kind of just slows down. Really, everything is just kind of picking back up. How many of you ever heard of an awkward silence before? An awkward silence, right? How many of you have ever been a part of an awkward silence? Oh, man. It used to happen all the time at our dinner table. You know, you know, mom and dad would be talking, and then it was like someone would say something that they shouldn't say, and it was just awkward. And no one said anything. And then it was, all you could hear was like the scrape of like, the metal against the teeth as people tried to like eat and like you could hear the knife cutting against the, the, you know, the porcelain plate. Like it's just, yeah, some of us, yeah, thanks. Some of us experienced that more obviously than you guys did. We're going to, we're going to try an awkward pause in church. You ready? Go ahead and put the 15 seconds up on the clock. You ready? Here we go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, it takes a long time for 15 seconds. You ever notice that we always, especially in church, man, Pastor Mark and I and Stephen, we get here super early on Sunday mornings and plan, you know, make sure we're going over the, 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 the plan of the service. We want to make sure there's no dead time. We want to make sure there's no awkwardness in the middle and that every transition, we transition into this song and into this, and then we go into that, and then we go into baby dedication, and there's the applause at the right moment. And if there's not, then it's kind of awkward because awkwardness or pausing and not doing anything is really hard for us to do, especially in this culture. When I come home from work, oftentimes I'll come home and, and, and Denise is there and she'll, go, she'll say, all right, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know, but we got to do something. What do I need to work on? Do I need to work on something? Do I need to do something? Do I need to go out? I, sometimes I just go out to go find activity. There's got to be something I got to be doing. And sometimes it's really hard, especially during a busy time, to let our mind just stop and pause. Stop and pause. You ever, uh, if you're a parent in here, you ever had your child come up to you and, and argue with you? You ever had, oh, okay. I have, I have a nine-year-old daughter and sometimes she'll argue with me or try to reason with me. And sometimes I just want to be like, listen, here's the thing. I'm 36. You're not winning this. Stop. But, but you don't understand. She came up to me yesterday. This is not in the message. This is a perfect illustration. She came up to me yesterday and she says, daddy, hold on, hold on. I'm going to ask you for something, and I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say, but before you say it, I need you to let me finish the whole way through and explain because, because I, 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 I just wait. And so she's like, can I use your phone? Hold on. She literally said, hold on, hold on. Let me finish because she knows me. She knows what's going to happen. I'm going to stop the argument before it even gets any further. I'm going to say, stop. No, not happening. But no, I don't want to hear it. That's it. End of story. Stop. Pause. Over. Done. Gavel comes down. Judgment has been made. No phone for you. Sometimes we want to impart immediate knowledge into our children and just say, stop. Stop what you're doing. We're going down the road. Hey, are we there yet? Hey, can we, hey, dad, can we stop? Hey, can we buy? Hey, can we pull over? Hey, I want McDonald's. No, I want Wendy's. And sometimes you just want to say, stop. There's so much commotion going on, I can't even think straight. Stop. 
during this season, we get so busy with expectations of where we're supposed to go, who's supposed to come see us, what we're supposed to buy, where we're supposed to be. Oh, yeah, by the way, you need to do something charitable in between that. And, oh, also, by the way, we're going to have four Christmas Eve services, and you need to be serving in one of those, and you got to go to church, and you can't do this, and you have to do this. And, and oh, by the way, you have to beat last year's uh, gift to your child. And so what are you going to do? And, oh, you got to balance this, balance that. There's budget over here, no budget over here. What what are we going to do? And sometimes what we needed to do is just say, stop. Stop. Pause. So we just need to take out the life remote control and just say, hold on. You say, but you don't understand, Pastor Matt. There's no way that I can. Stop. Pause. We see Jesus in our text this morning. It's actually 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 and 25. We'll have it up on the screen for you. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth and talking about the Lord's Supper and talking about what Jesus did during one of the busiest weeks in his entire life. Jesus' ministry lasted about three and a third years from age 30 to the time that he died. And the week before he died was called the Passion Week, and there was so much going on. It was an incredible amount of activity that was going on, an incredible amount of thought. There was an incredible amount of planning. And then there was a bunch of things, other things that were going on all at the same time during this week. Paul does this. He, he writes this to the church in Corinth talking about the Lord's Supper. He says, <coughs> excuse me, but in the following instructions, I can't praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Does that describe Thanksgiving for any of you and your family? First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course, verse 19, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper, For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What, don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. I love Paul. So direct. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed in the middle of Passion Week. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me of me. During the Passion Week, Jesus traveled to Jerusalem along with other disciples. He entered the city. There was Palm uh, a Sunday that took place. Also during this, he flipped money changers tables. He had a lot of activity going on. And during this week, he stopped in the right directly in the middle of the week and paused and said, we're not going to get caught up in the busyness This do in remembrance of me. I come from a Baptist background. My dad was a Baptist pastor. And so whenever I put a message together, I can't help it. It always has three points. 
and they always like either alliterated or have something to do with the other point. And so I came up with three points. I hope you enjoy them. It's stop, drop, and roll. So yeah, thanks for clapping. Um, stop, drop, and roll. Uh, point number one, I believe that we can uh, take all of this, by the way, into context and see that in no matter what season Jesus was in, in the busyness, he did all three of these things. What, what, when you, uh, how many of you, you were taught that in school, stop, drop, and roll? Okay, so a lot of you. Okay. You go, when you stop, drop, and roll, when? When there's a what? A a fire, okay? When there's like hecticness, the teacher wants you to know, hey, when there's hecticness and there's confusion and everyone's like, what should we do? And there's a lot of like activity going on. Remember, stop, drop and roll. Why? Because you're not going to remember to do that because it's not a natural thing to do when there's a lot going on. The natural thing to do is like run like crazy and push everybody over and head for the exit. But that's not what you need. You need to stop, drop and roll. The first point is stop, stop. This is, uh, Jesus did this in uh, John chapter uh, number 11. You remember there was the feeding of the 5,000, right? So Jesus has at least 5,000 men. So there could have been upwards to about eight to 10,000 people all on the side of this hill listening to a sermon that Jesus was preaching. And then the disciples get all together and they say, hey, there's a big expectation that's being put on us right now. We need to feed all these people. We weren't thinking about that. We did the best prior planning that we could possibly do. But man, we are short on time. We're short on food. The nearest restaurant, the nearest Cracker Barrel is a long ways away. And I don't know, how are we going to feed? And so there was this frenzy being uh, 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 conveyed all across everyone. They were like, man, we got to eat. And Jesus took a small lunch. He stopped. Jesus, we don't have time to stop. We got to go find some more food. No, we're going to stop. He paused and prayed and thanked God for the food. And uh, all further along in the chapter, in John John chapter 11, verse number 41, we see Jesus doing the same thing at Lazarus' tomb where Jesus paused. Even before he got there, he took his time to get there. Anyone ever been frustrated with Jesus before? Like, come on, Jesus, I'm asking for this to happen and you're not really doing it on my time? Like, I don't know if you understand time, but like I'm running out of it. When are you going to come through for me? And Lazarus ends up dying because Jesus took his time to get there. Then when he gets there, he takes his time and he stops and gives thanks. In all scenarios, Jesus stopped and prayed. He gave thanks. I'd imagine that it's a lot like this for a lot of us in the holiday season. I on purpose had them bring a stool out because I wanted to be able to sit down and act like, you know, pause, calm down. It's really hard for me to do even when I'm preaching. What does thankfulness do? It does this. It causes us to remember what's really important. It prioritizes our life. How many times do we get caught up in things that aren't priorities? We get consumed with things that aren't really a priority in our life. Just the other day, I was looking at buying something that I felt like I just had to have. I mean, it was really, really important. I mean, I just had to have it. And and, and I'm the type of person that when I see something that I really, really want, I will find a way to get it done. I'll put Jocelyn out in the, 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 the corner and have her sell lemonade. 
And I mean, we, we will raise the money. We'll sell our house. We'll live in a tent for a while. We may live with some of you. We've done it before. But when we stop and pause in the middle of going, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have, expectation, 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 we stop and we pause and we give thanks for what we do have, oftentimes it brings us back to right reality of, do I really, really need that? It helps us prioritize our life. Number two, it drowns out busyness and focuses us, focuses us on the mission. Did you know if you're a Jesus follower in here this morning, you have a mission? And it's not to get a bigger house or a bigger car or a better job or a promotion. Those are all good things. Nothing wrong with those. But did you understand, do you know that that's not your mission? That's not why you're here? You say, well, yeah, I know what it is to raise my family and be a good husband or be a good wife. Or Those are all good things. Did you realize that's not your mission? That's not why you're here. So, well, I know what it is to give to the poor. That's a good thing. It's not your mission. Our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. Our job, our mission, the reason why we're here is to give other people the gospel. When we stop and we pause and we give thanks It refocuses us on why we are here. And lastly, number three, it makes us realize that we all, that all we have comes from our Father. All we have comes from God. I don't know about you, but I I get caught up. We just bought a new house and I put in laminate flooring. In fact, Daryl Howard, I don't know if he's in here this morning, but he helped me lay some of the laminate flooring and so did uh, Stephen Neal. And we got done with it and I got that sense of completion. I'm like, man, look what I did. <laughs> I have a new house and it's got brand new laminate flooring. I just painted the mantle in our, uh, our, over our fireplace. It looks awesome, by the way. I used a gray chalk paint and I'm pretty proud of myself. Did you know all I have doesn't belong to me? Anything that I have has been given to me by God. It won't make me happy. When we're thankful, we realize that all we have comes from our Father. Then number two, after number one, stop and pray. Number two is drop. Drop your cares and your motives. During the Passion Week, Jesus was setting the table for all of our cares, worries, doubts, and fears to be traded for Here's the word, rest. I'm going to read this verse for you, and I want you to meditate on this while I read it and ask yourself this question. Does this describe your life? Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Does that describe us? Americans from Thanksgiving to Christmas? You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. I'm going to ask uh, Troy to come up here and illustrate this. 
Um, he's going to represent Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> and he's going to, it's a stretch. It's a big stretch. He's going to put on a burden. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he was saying, I'm going to carry your burdens. I'm going to carry your weight. We say this oftentimes in worship or before a message. I don't know what you're going through this morning. You ever heard one of the pastors say that or the worship leaders say that? I don't know what you're going through this morning, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a fear, whether whatever it is that you're dealing with this morning. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is already bearing your burden, but this is what we do oftentimes. We say, thank you for bearing my burden, Jesus. I got it. Go ahead and walk, Troy, or Jesus. And we say, I got, I got this. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying my burden. Ugh, I got it. Why would we carry something that somebody's already carrying for us? Do you know why? Because we like to be in control. <laughs> we feel like when we carry our burden, we're more in control of our burden than the person that created the universe. Who said, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe the scripture's wrong, my burden is light. Like so light that when you're carrying it, it's really a yoke that Jesus is in with you and he's pulling all the weight that you can actually find rest. Did you get that? You can actually find rest in the burden. So whatever you're going through this morning, you can find rest in Jesus carrying your burden. But you have to drop it off. You have to drop it off. You can't be carrying the burden and resting at the same time. Thank you, Troy. You can't be resting at the same time. Uh, how many of you know that? that uh, um, no, I'm not going to do it. I was going to make fun of a poem, but I'm not going to do it. Footprints. I don't like that poem. But I know some of you probably have it on your wall, and so I won't make fun of it. Yeah, I will. No, I won't. <laughs> Moving on. Number three. Number three, roll with Jesus. I know that kind of sounds, I, used, I was the student pastor here for a while, and I know that this may be like a student pastor type sermon. Yeah, roll with Jesus. Point number three, just roll with him. It's not what I I'm not trying to be like super cool by saying that. What I'm saying is oftentimes what we do is we say, hey, Jesus, you want to roll with me? I'm going somewhere. Hey, this holiday season, I'm going to add a little Jesus to holiday season. I'm going to add a little Jesus to Christmas. We don't do Xmas. We do Christmas. Come on, Jesus. Come, come be a part of, of the Christmas season. Do you actually think that Jesus wants to be a part of people getting trampled at Walmart because the, the TV's $50 less? Jesus, bless me as I go into Black Friday, but I go into the red. I know you say, oh, no man, anything, but it's really important because last year I spent this much, and so I really got to spend a lot this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm preaching to myself right now. Because this is what we often do as Jesus followers in every aspect of our life, not just during the Christmas season. We say this, Jesus Bless my activity. Bless what I'm going to do. Jesus, I'm about to eat. Bless my food. How about when you pick up your food, you say, Jesus, what do you want me to eat? 
Because usually we want Jesus to bless the way we are. Because we ain't changing. I got real quiet. Because in American Christian culture, that's how we live. We like getting the car that we probably shouldn't have bought. It's probably a little bit too expensive, but we put the Jesus fish on the back. (laughs) I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of it. I have a Jesus fish on my bumper. And I play Christmas music. And I don't say Xmas. And when people walk by, I say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. Jesus, thank you for being, I'm going to add you to my activity. And the truth of the matter is, is Jesus saying, do you not think I have activity? Do you think I'm just sitting around not up to anything? When is the last time that we said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And who do you want me to be? How do you want me to act this Christmas season? Three weeks ago, we had our baptism Sunday. I believe it was three weeks ago. David Nichols, um, one of our students that has autism, awesome kid. God gave him the gift of autism. Unbelievable testimony. And part of the, uh, when I was listening to his testimony, he got baptized. I was so moved by one part. And when I was studying for this message, God brought it back into my memory. And I said, man, that would go perfect with that third point. I'm going to show you. Um, go ahead and uh, enroll his baptism uh, for us. We have the video. David, David, in obedience to the man of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and on your public profession of faith in him, I baptize you, my dear little brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the light and son of death. Raise the light. It's awesome. When, uh, uh, whenever he came to the church, he came with his dad, Anson, uh, they came to my office and we talked about baptism. Miss Lori was there as well. And then because he has autism, we wanted to take him and make him familiar with all of the surroundings. So we walked him all the way down the hallway. Then we walked him in the back and I said, hey, this is like the secret passageway where the worship team goes. And he was like all excited. We walked in the back and then he was able, we already had the water in there. So he kind of dipped his fingers in the water and felt how warm it was. And then he asked if it would be okay if he wore his scuba mask. So that he, so uh, during his baptism, he said, yeah, of course, of course you can wear your scuba mask. So he showed up and we were really, we were, we were worried that maybe at that last minute he was going to back out and say, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and uh, he even apologized. David did. He said, I'm sorry if, I, if, if later I don't want to do this. And we're like, no, it's okay. It's fine. It's totally fine. And if this has been actually a several month process of getting him to where he was okay with getting his head dunked underwater and being able to be baptized. This is his baptism testimony. I want to read this for you. He said this, when I was younger, I love that part, when I was younger, (laughs) I used to think that following Jesus meant to just follow him around. I now know that following Jesus means I want to do what he says and go where he wants me. I think David gets it. About eight months ago, I asked my mommy what I needed to do to be the friend of God. So I prayed and asked God to be my friend. I'm a little scared to be baptized, but I know it's what Jesus wants, and I want to follow him. Man, how easy we get it twisted. 
I follow Jesus. No, you're asking Jesus to follow you. I'm a Jesus follower. Jesus, follow me. That's like the opposite of following Jesus. It's so hard to trust though, isn't it? But remember when you were a kid, I loved hearing David because he got it. And once he got it, he got it. He went, oh, I used to think following Jesus was this. But now I know that following Jesus is going where he wants me to go and doing what he wants me to do. What do they say? Very simply said, very hard to do. But it starts with this. If you look down in the seat in front of you or underneath you, there should be a card. Card looks like this says pause on the top and then there's a place where it says stop and then drop. In that space that says stop, there should be a pen in the the seat back in front of you. I want you to put something that you're thankful for. Go ahead and take some time. Something that you're thankful for this morning. Because during this season, we need to be able to jolt ourselves out of the frenzy because it's coming. It's coming. The frenzy's coming and about 20 days in when you're headed to the mall to go shopping and the traffic is crazy and the kids are screaming and then you're not even sure that if you, because you waited too long, that you're going to have wrapping paper. And in the middle of everyone clamoring for your time and you clamoring to reach expectations that their culture has put on us, you need to stop. Stop. Pause. And be thankful. So what is it? What are you going to be thankful for in the middle of the season when everything else is going crazy? Write it down. What are you going to be thankful for? And then drop. What is weighing you down? What are you holding on to that Jesus is already either willing to hold on to? If you're not a Jesus follower, if you are a Jesus follower, that's all he's already holding it, but you're trying to carry it with him. Maybe it's something that you feel like you just can't give up or maybe it's a family situation. Whatever it is, write it down. We're going to make a commitment this morning that we're going to drop that at the feet of Jesus. We're going to drop it. We're going to drop it. We're going to stop and be thankful and we're going to drop our cares to Jesus. And the last part is the prayer that I want us to pray here in just a moment together. Jesus, where and what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to be? Where's your activity, God? What are you doing? God, would you let me be a part of your activity? I remember one time my dad was building bunk beds. He was in all by himself and I was watching him and I was intrigued at the process and how he was doing all the measuring. And I remember going up to him and saying, hey dad, can I help? Can I be a part of that? Where is that childlike faith, just like David Nichols' faith? God, I, I, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared to get baptized, but I know it's what you want me to do. I know it's what you want because it's what you want. Will you let me be a part of your activity, of what you're doing? 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.